Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses joining us. I want to welcome our South Shore joining us, Gulf Coast online and here at Little Creek to the second message in our series entitled, This is Living. Come on, let's just welcome all of our campuses right now joining us. You know, we are in part two of a six-part series. We are studying the book of First John. Now, if you weren't here last week, I want to get a little bit of background. John, John the Apostle, John the Beloved was one of the 12 original disciples and apostles of Jesus. And he actually wrote five books in the New Testament. He wrote the Gospel of John. We know what the Gospels are, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those first four books in the New Testament where there's a lot of red in there. You know, a lot of the words of Jesus. Well, John wrote one of those. He wrote the Gospel of John. But he also wrote, towards the end of the New Testament, he wrote three letters. Watch this. He wrote 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. The Gospel of John and 1 John are not the same books. All right, I want you to understand that. The, the, then the fifth thing that he wrote is he wrote, and we studied it last fall, he wrote the book of, say it, Revelation. Who did John write the book of Revelation? He wrote it to the seven churches in Asia Minor. As a matter of fact, one of those churches, Ephesus, he later became the pastor. Actually, John writes 1 John addressing those same exact seven churches. He had some concerns. He had some questions. He, had some, he heard some things, some of the heresies and false teachings that had come into these new churches. And as a father, an older brother in the Lord, he was concerned. If there's anybody that could teach us what it means to walk with Jesus, it's John. John was the one that was there. He, he was there uh, on the Mount of Beatitudes, and he saw the miracles. He, he was there. He heard the teachings of Jesus. He was in the boat on the Sea of Galilee when the storm came up, and, and he saw Jesus still. John was there. John was there when the blind eyes were opened, when the, when the lepers were cleansed. Matter of fact, John was there. John was the disciple that was there at the crucifixion. It, it, matter of fact, you remember Jesus, the words of Jesus, when he was on the cross, he told his mom, mother, behold your son. You remember that? And he said, son, behold your mom. How many of you know you're close to somebody if you entrust your own mom to their care? He was also there at the resurrection. He was the first one. He was the first one after Christ rose from the dead who ran to the tomb to check it out. We're talking about somebody that wasn't a casual inquirer, but someone that was intimately involved with Christ. And of course, he was there on the Mount of Olives when the the ascension took place in Acts chapter 1. John was there. So we're looking at 1 John. And we've, we've called this message series, This is Living. What does it mean to live and to walk with Jesus? Now last week, again, five chapters, six weeks. So I'm, I'm doing not just verse by verse. I'm doing most of the verses, but thematically. If I really went verse by verse, it would take six months or a year to go through this. But I'm trying to cover as much ground as I can. Last week I talked about the forgiven life. 1 John chapter 1 was all about forgiveness. This week, I want to talk about the clean life. Is it possible as a believer in Jesus to, leave, to live a clean life? Speaking of clean living, how many of you are totally off of your January diet? Come on. You know what I'm talking about? I, I, we went straight from king cake to crawfish. Can I have a witness? You, I mean, just healthy food down here. Isn't that right? healthy, healthy, healthy. My friend lives in Oregon. He goes, man, I eat barley loaves. I'm like, don't ever move here. You, you, I mean, just, we can't even relate to Oregon. That's a whole nother topic. <laughs> Let me give you rules for clean living and dieting. Here you go. You ready? I want to just help you as your pastor because my name's Steve and I'm your pastor and I'm your friend. Here you go. Number one, I want you to feel better about yourself. 
Number one, if you eat something and no one sees it, it doesn't have any calories in it. And so just feel free. Be released in the name of Jesus. All right. Number, number two. So this is a good one because I, I do this all the time and I thought of this. If you drink a Diet Coke and you eat a Snickers bar, the calories actually in the candy bar are canceled out by the Diet Coke. You, you, you understand that? It's like smoking and running at the same time. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting too close to home to some of y'all. I apologize. I'm sorry. God bless your ministry. All right, here we go. <laughs> Number three. Let, let me move on. Number three. When you eat with someone else, calories don't count if they eat more than you. So you got to go with hearty people. Number four. If you fatten up everyone else around you, then you look thinner. Can I have another witness? All right, let me give it this last one. This is the best. Here it is. Cookie pieces, the, the pieces themselves, they don't contain calories. But let me tell you why. The process of breaking them, there's a calorie leakage. I'm serious. So I want you guys to feel good. How many of y'all are just feeling better about yourself? Anybody? Remember, I love you. All right. Last week, again, First John, we're not studying the gospel of John, but First John. Chapter one, last week, we talked about sin. What do you do with sin? Well, there's three things that people do. Number one, they cover it. We talked about this all last week. By the way, all of our CDs, again, we give away free, but really, I'm encouraging you to go online and download all the podcasts. We talked about we can cover our sin. Number two, we can confess our sin. Number three, I ended last week's message saying, we can conquer our sin. Doesn't mean, and the Bible does not teach that if you reach this state in Christianity that you never sin again, but it does teach the Bible, and I'm gonna tell you today, that we don't have to live as a slave to habitual sin patterns, all right? If you have your Bible, I'm gonna ask you to open up to 1 John, again, not the Gospel of John, 1 John chapter two, and we're gonna read the first three verses. Today, I wanna talk to you about living a clean life. I believe that John teaches us it is possible to live a clean life. It is possible, not a sin-free life, but a clean life. And I'm going to explain the difference. Here's what John writes. Very, very, very powerful. John writes, again, he's older at this point. Remember, he was a disciple with Jesus. He was in his 20s. Jesus was 30 when he emerged in his ministry. So Jesus would have been uh, crucified about 60 years prior to the writing of this. So John's probably 80, 80 to 85, maybe 90 years old. All right. So he's writing out of a heart of concern for these churches that he's overseeing because they're receiving some false teaching. He wants to clarify the, he wants to get some clarity in there. Here's what he says. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an what? An advocate. That's going to become important. Circle that word. It's legal to write in your Bible. It, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We have an advocate. And he himself, that's Jesus, he himself is the propitiation. That's the second word. We're going to look at advocate and propitiation. He himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. One more verse, verse three. Now, this is powerful. Now, by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now, I'm going to come back to that verse. That's going to be very important in just a moment. When you get to verse two, at the end of verse two, 
when it says, and he himself was the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Watch this. There's a pause. Whether you have your physical Bible or whether you're looking up on the screen or whether some people, again, look or they have on their iPhones and they, 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 they're looking at scripture. If you're watching a game, we have cameras that uh, <laughs> will tap you on the shoulder. No, but, but regardless, between verse 2 and verse 3, there's a pause. And let me tell you why. Because verse 2 and verse 3 begin to frame up what I'm going to talk about today, and it really informs the whole rest of the chapter, where John begins to explain to these young believers that when you come to Christ, I don't want you to miss this, when you come to Christ, there is a great exchange that takes place. See, Christianity is way more than just forgiveness. By the way, that was last week's message. We talked about that last week, and I don't want to minimize forgiveness because I need it, all right? But Christianity is so powerful, there's this concept of the great exchange. Now, as I begin to unpack that, I want to, I want to unpack as well two words that John gave these churches uh, that are so critical and germane to what we're talking about. Number one, he says this. He says, my little children, I write to, these, I write to you so that you may not sin. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate. I want you to say that with me. We have a what? And what is an advocate? An advocate is a legal representative. That's what an advocate is. An advocate's a lawyer. It's somebody that stands in proxy for you to represent you, to defend you. By the way, when they win, you win. If they lose, you lose. And they stand before a judge and before a jury, and they're defending you. They're defending uh, your record. They're defending uh, what happened. They're defending you against the charges that are brought against you. And the Bible says, the Bible, John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes down that Jesus Christ is our advocate. That's powerful. And I'll put this in your notes. Jesus is our defense attorney. He is the one. He is the one defending us. Where is he defending us? I'll tell you where he's defending us. The Bible actually calls Jesus our high priest. And he's before the throne of God right now, right now, right now as I'm talking. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 8, that Jesus Christ himself is before the throne of God as our high priest. And here's what he's doing. He's, he's standing there and he's talking to the Father. And here's what he's saying. Father, don't hold their sin against them because they've trusted in me. As a matter of fact, Father, take their sin and put it on me, and I'm going to take my righteousness and put it on them. Everybody say, I have an advocate. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus, you have an advocate. The Bible says that Christ himself, in that way, listen, the enemy, there's no accusing voices that can come up into the throne room of God and try to accuse you before God. By the way, in the Old Testament, the devil had access to the throne of God. Pastor, are you kidding me? Look at the book of Job. The Bible says that, that, that Satan himself came up to the throne of God. Oh, look at Job. Look at your servant, Job. He's only righteous because you blessed him and you prospered him. And he's got a healthy family, a lot of cattle. Take that away. And so Satan himself went up to the throne of God and accused, listen, Job to God. The Bible says at the cross, the heavens were cleansed, and you now and I have a high priest as a believer in Christ. And let me tell you, there's no accusations that can come up to the throne room of God because we have an advocate. We have an advocate before Almighty God. Hey, when the enemy wants to come up and remind you of your past, remind him of his future. 
Remind him of where he's going. No, 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 no. That's who I was, but I've been washed. I've been cleansed. Listen, Christ is saying, Father, don't hold their sins against them. They've trusted in me. Now, the caveat is you've got to trust in Christ. It's the believer in Jesus. It's the person that's trusted Christ. But that person that trusted Christ, here's what Jesus says. Father, take their sin, put it on me. I'm going to take my righteousness, and I'm going to put it on them. Everybody say, I have an advocate. John is teaching these early believers, because there was some real false teachings that were going around that first century church. One of them was this. Of course, that Jesus wasn't the Son of God. That's a lie. We talked a little bit about that last week, and we've taught lots about what the Scripture talks about uh, theologically, the hypostatic union, fully God, fully man. One of the other lies was this. Listen, when you sin, you get grace. Why not sin more and get more grace? It's crazy. Jesus inspiring John. John, you tell him this. You tell him that they have an advocate. Second word that I want to point out is this, and it's the word propitiation. The scripture says that Christ himself has become the propitiation. That's a big fancy word. Actually, in the Greek, it's the word halasmos. And the word halasmos is broken into two different understandings. This is so powerful if you see this image. This is so powerful. The word halasmos, propitiation, is the English word. The Greek word that that comes from is halasmos. And if you, in, in, if you define this word, it actually means two things. Number one, it means the appeasement. It means the appeasement of God's wrath. So in other words, when Christ, don't miss this, when Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, Here's what he did. You know, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says the payment for sin is death. Somebody's got to die for sin. Somebody's got to die. So what God the Father did is he sent God the Son, watch this, to die in our place. And God poured out, God the Father poured out his wrath on Christ, his Son, and his son took God's wrath and God's judgment on sin. The Bible says that Christ is our propitiation. But propitiation not only means that Christ received our wrath, but it also means that when he died on the cross, he removed our guilt. He removed our guilt. Do you know that every religion in the world except biblical Christianity is man's attempt to somehow get their guilty conscience cleansed because they can't rectify that. They can't, they're grappling with, how do I, because everybody knows that there's, that there's something they've done wrong. And so religion in man's strength is man's attempt to try to remove the guilty conscience. The problem is, is that you and I can't do something to remove our guilty conscience. We've got to trust someone who has cleansed our guilty conscience. So the Bible says that Christ is our propitiation, which means two things. One, he received the wrath of God. And number two, he cleansed our guilty conscience. And that's why when we come to Christ, we become a new person. There's a great exchange. Christianity is much more than just our sins are forgiven. God the Father put our sins on Christ and God the Father put the righteousness that's on Christ on us. So now, when God the Father, as a believer in Jesus now, this only works 
if you've trusted Christ as your Savior. When God the Father looks at a believer in Jesus, here's what he sees. Here's what he sees. He sees a son or a daughter clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So you and I are no longer right with God or wrong with God based upon our behavior. We are right with God based upon our trust in Christ. It's interesting, when you think about what God has done for us, there was a, a guy, true story, there was a guy named David who was an umpire in Pennsylvania. It's in the history books. And there was a tornado that was coming in in western Pennsylvania. He was an umpire, umpire in a Little League game. And it's one of those things that just came up about a mile long and of course, this is before they had all the ability to discern when these things were going to happen and all that weather meteorology stuff. And, 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 and so he saw this black funnel cloud. Well, his niece, his niece was actually in the stands watching the game. So he ran over there and grabbed his niece, David did, and he took her and he threw her in a ditch and he laid on top of her as the tornado passed, right over top of her. Of course, he got sucked up, but when it passed, she was laying safe right in the ditch. The fact is that uncle gave his life for that little girl. In the same way, watch this, when sin and judgment and wrath and all that, let me tell you, when it passes over our lives, thank God that God poured it out on Jesus. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. When you become a believer, listen, it's more than forgiveness. You receive God's righteousness. How many of y'all are grateful that you can stand righteous before God? You and I. You and I. Paul addresses this same theme in 2 Corinthians. Here's what he says. This is so powerful. Paul says, for he, the Father, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin. Jesus was sinless. Who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the, say it with me, the count of three, one, two, three, the righteousness of God in him. What does it mean? What does it mean to be righteous? Let me say it again. It means when God the Father looks at, G listen, looks at us, when we've trusted in Christ as our Savior, this is important. When we trusted in Christ, he sees a son or a daughter washed and covered with the blood of Christ. So he sees us pure. He sees us right with him. Now, pastor, what about last week's message about sin? What do we do with sin? See, the problem with sin is sin affects our intimacy with God, but God doesn't move, we do. So, so that's what some Christians think, well, I didn't do good today, God doesn't love me. No, God doesn't love you any more or any less when you sin. The problem he has with sin is sin hurts you. Does that make sense? In Christ, when you've trusted Christ, somebody asked me, Pastor, what does it mean to be righteous? It means when God the Father looks at you, he sees you washed in the blood of Christ, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior. Everybody say, great exchange. You know, it's interesting. There was a story. I've flown into New York many, many times. And of course, sometimes you fly into New Jersey, Newark Airport, and LaGuardia is another airport in New York. There's several airports in that region. And and so I've flown in there. Many of you have flown into LaGuardia Airport. It's interesting, if, if, you, if you don't know this, uh, that's named after the mayor. He was a mayor in the 1930s and 40s. LaGuardia, however you want to say it. He, interesting, the mayor, uh, Miss, Mayor LaGuardia, was five foot two, half Jewish, half Italian. And he's fired up. And he was a powerful little guy. 
And interesting, he was kind of a micromanager. He was involved in every little detail of his administration, wanted to be good and efficient, execute well. And one of the things he would do is, is he would go and he would serve in the different capacities, maybe for a night, a day, a week or so, uh, the different areas in his administration because he wanted to uh, be, a, be a, a somebody that people could touch and they could connect with. One of the things he did is one night, he, he sat where the judges would sit, see, this is in the 30s, in what's called a night court. And those of you that were alive, maybe in the 30s or read in history, sometimes in the NYPD, you'd get arrested for something. They'd bring him in that night. That night, and they'd try him before a night court judge. Sure enough, this person came in, and there's LaGuardia, Mayor LaGuardia. And he's sitting there in five foot two, and this person comes in, and this is during the Depression. And, and he asked the guy, he says, what did you do? And of course, the policeman's standing on the side of him. He says, well, he says, I'll tell you what I did. He says, um, he says uh, we recognize him, sir. I, I'm so sorry. I was, my family, we were hungry, and I stole some bread. And um, I'm so sorry. I, it's, it's what I did. And the mayor did this. Watch it, sitting as a judge. He says, okay. He says, you are guilty. The fine is $10. And as he finds him, he, this is in the history books, he actually gets off of his chair and he walks over and pulls out of his pocket $10. He says, but I'll pay your fine. Out of his justice, he had to declare him guilty. Out of his mercy, he paid the fine himself. When God the Father looks at us, he sees the sin in our lives and he says, you're guilty because of your sin. But then he pulls out, if I can say it that way, the death of Christ, his son. He says, but I've forgiven you because of what Christ has done, if you'll trust me. See, the fact is, let me tell you something. Christianity is the most powerful belief system in the world because you get to receive, listen, what you didn't do yourself. How many of you know that's good news? Are y'all with me? That's good news. That's real good news. We deserve judgment. God says, I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you mercy. So John, John is really concerned because he sees these young believers and they're not understanding Christianity. See, righteousness is so powerful. Please listen to me. This is so important at all of our campuses, our South Shore online campus that's watching. See, when you receive Christ, you're not only right, don't miss this, right with God because of the blood of Christ, but what's imparted into you is important as well. Number one, righteousness is imputed to you. What does it mean imputed? You and I have a deficit because of our sin, all right? God has a surplus. He pays off our debts. Wouldn't that be cool? You're at a bank line. You come up to the teller. The teller goes, look, sorry, man, you got a deficit. Somebody goes behind you. goes, I'll pay it. I'll put money in to bring them up. Okay, so imputed righteousness means that when we had a deficit, God paid it for us. The second thing that happens, though, is that he imparts his righteousness, and our nature is changed. Don't miss this. You and I become a different person on the inside. You, you, you actually become different. You receive the gift of righteousness, right standing with God, but you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You receive God's nature himself. God's nature lives on the inside of you. Wow, Pastor, this is heavy, man. I just thought I was a forgiven, broken down, no good. Well, you are forgiven, but you're more than just that. You're right before God. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's a, there's a transference of, of God's nature and God's life and, and, and God's, God's DNA on, into the inside of you. 
Matter of fact, let me give you two quick things about this. This is so powerful. First John 2, 3, real quick. First John 2, 3 says this. Now by, don't miss this. Now by this, we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments. This is not prescriptive. This is descriptive. It's not saying if you keep God's commandments, you'll know God. No, 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 no. It's saying the way to know if you know God is you'll have the power to be able to obey God. See, Christianity's not about if you do good, God will love you. Matter of fact, that's how some people live. Well, man, I'm not loved by God today. Why? Because I did bad. Well, no, you're, you're loved by God and you're cared for by God. When you become a believer, though, listen to me, part of the evidence that determines whether or not you're a believer is there's a want to on the inside of you. Are you it moves from an ought to to a want to. <laughs> I ought to do right to, I want to do right. And now it moves to, I have the power to obey God. It's not my power, but it's the power. Matter of fact, let me give you this slide. Let me tell you where your walk and my walk begins. We realize the day, things change when we realize that our walk with Jesus starts where Jesus finished. When Christ died on the cross, listen to me, when Christ died on the cross, he leveled the deck, all right, for everybody. And now, because of the finished work of the cross, he purchased for us salvation. He purchased for us our righteousness. He purchased for us God's approval. I can live under the approval of God, and so can you, that you're loved by God, that you're clean before God. The Bible says that because of the blood of Christ, we can now boldly come into the throne room of God and receive grace and help. We can come as children of God boldly. Not, not you know, I mean, you never know God. You know, I may get mad at you, throw a book at you. You never know. No, no, no. We can rest, rest in our relationship with God, knowing that we're right with God. You know what temptation is? Let me tell you what temptation is. See, this is so important about your identity, knowing who you are in Christ. Temptation is when the enemy comes and tries to get you to do or to have or to become something that you already are in God. The enemy comes, ah, if you'll do this, you'll be a big deal. You already are a big deal in God. You're a child of God. I mean, that's a big deal. The enemy will come and say, yeah, if you do that, you'll be happy. Ah, uh -uh, in Christ, my joy is fulfilled. If you have that relationship, no, 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 time out. I don't need another person to complete me. I'm complete in Christ. Are, are y'all with me or not? Does this make sense? Let, let me give you the second thing that happens. His nature, his nature becomes our nature. We don't become God in the sense that we are God, but we get the spirit of God. And let me tell you something. When the spirit of God comes in our hearts, that is the nature of God. That's who God is. It's his spirit lives on it. We still deal with sin. We still have flesh but there's a new power on the inside. And this power on the inside, I'm telling you, it's a dynamic. When you live this way as a Christian, it doesn't mean you don't sin, doesn't mean you don't ever, but I'm telling you, there's a supernatural power. By the way, let me encourage people. When I gave my heart to Christ, I never saw this. Think of a coin, heads and tails. Think of this, this is so important, heads and tails. On one side, confession is confessing our sin. Most people know that you need to confess your sin. But most people don't know that you need to equally spend as much time, actually more time, confessing who you are in Christ. Are you with me? We need to confess our sin. Father, I've blown it. I messed up. Forgive me. Good. You've got an advocate. Don't worry. You're cleansed. All right? But I think that we, I actually think if we spent more time confessing who we were in Christ, we'd actually sin less. Because most sin, again, is a, is, it's, it's when you're acting out of alignment of your born-again identity. That's what most sin is. 
Sin is trying to meet a legitimate need illegitimately. So when I try to do something to meet some need in me that God has already met in Christ, that's why we have to memorize. And I want to encourage you in the New Testament, all those in him, in Christ, in whom, all that. Listen, you need to memorize that. That needs to get on the inside of you, in your spirit. And it builds your inner man. And you get strong as a woman of God, strong as a man of God on the inside of you. And you live differently. And you begin to view sin differently. And then it becomes an issue of, I'm not going to stoop. That's inconsistent with my nature. I'm not going to stoop down and partake of that. All right. Now let's talk about his nature becoming your nature. He transmits his nature into you by his spirit. You get, you know what human DNA is? Y'all know what human DNA, it's genetic code, right? I remember one time my son came and he says, dad, I got the, he had this feature about him. So he goes, man, I just don't like it, dad. I said, son, you got it from your mom. <laughs> Not true. He actually got it from me. It was a physical feature. I said, son, you got it. I'm sorry, you, you know. So, so how, how, how a DNA is transmitted is, is the, the woman and the man, when the, the baby is conceived, there's a sharing of DNA. And those, watch this, there's a transference of traits, of features, and of characteristics. When you get born again, and you give your heart to Christ, and the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside, don't miss this, there's a transference of God's Traits, features, and characteristics. Well, you know, I've just got an attitude. No, the love of God is now in your heart. Are, are you with me? There's a new nature on the inside of you. All right, I, I'm going to do this, and I, and I want to close with this, because I think this is so, so important. Because I think that you guys and I, we need to understand who we are in Christ. Say, I'm a new creation in Christ. You, you, you need to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That's what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. and Behold, all things have become new. I've got two more points. Before I do that, I've got to tell you what happened last weekend. Talking about when you become a new man in God or a new person in God, the power of God pulls you. This is so powerful. Last weekend, after my son has a four-wheeler, and with this four-wheeler, you know, and I try to tell him, okay, ride in place. You don't get stuck. Well, he was, he was riding somewhere, and, and he got stuck. And how many of you know you can get stuck in a four-wheeler or you can get extra stuck? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, he was like extra triple shot stuck. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you could barely. So he was stuck, and I have a buddy in church, and I called him. It was on Saturday afternoon. I knew it was going to rain on Sunday afternoon. I said, man, look, man, we got to do something. I said, man, this thing is, can you come out? He goes, man, pastor, I'd love to, but I'm going to be out. I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. And I said, man, I'm concerned because tomorrow afternoon, this was last weekend. He said, tomorrow afternoon, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rain. I don't know what I'm going to do because I got to get this four wheel out of the, out of the mud for it because it'll just, it'll like just, it'll just evaporate and go to hell if it gets too much. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, just, it's where to go. It's in hell. So he goes, look, I got my cousin. I got my cousin, I'll send him over after church. I said, cool. So I get, I get finished church and I'm done church. And so last week I run home and I change clothes because I knew I was going to get money. My son's there waiting. He goes, all right, dad, let's go. And so we got in the guy's truck and, and he had this 500 ATV, you know, those big ATV is all-terrain vehicle. That's what it stands for. And so we pull up, it's muddy, man. It's all muddy. And we've got the four-wheeler and we're trying to get it going, you know, we're lifting it up and down, you know, and, you know, and my son's dad, my, my son's yelling, dad, pick it up, you know, screaming at me. I'm like, don't scream at me. 
Dad, you know, it's it's like yelling at me. And I'm like, if you don't want to see Jesus, shut your mouth right now. I'm just being honest. Is all right? (laughs) Okay. I'm just being honest. He was about to see Jesus face to face. So, so anyway, so I'm trying to, finally, my buddy's cousin, nephew gets it gets it out i mean it's just it's we're full of mud you know it's my son like a typical teenager you know he gets his thing out and his problem's over and he's like all right dad see you he jumps on his four-wheeler and takes off <laughs> you know i'm standing there and this young guy's there great guy and I said, man thanks so much you know and so i'm like man i really wanted to go with him you know this and i said okay so so the, the guy young guy goes look if you want to get in my atv i'll just get in there with me and I'll bring you, I'm going to my truck and I'll bring you back. And I'm like, all right, that's, that's cool, you know. So we get in there and we go probably 10 yards and we hit that same mud and we go, vroom, vroom. I'm like, hey, bro, we're stuck. He goes, yeah, I know. I'm like, what's like the plan? Because like the only motorized vehicle in miles just left, you know what I'm saying? So. I'm thinking, shoot, I should have went with my son, just to be honest. But that would have been wrong, you know? So I'm like, what's, what's the plan? I, I got a plan. I'm like, you want to share it? Because it's going to rain, you know? So he goes, all right, all right, look. So he gets out, and he goes, all right. So, so he gets out, and he grabs the, the winch on the end of his, this, this, this wire deal, and he goes, I want you to put your foot on the gas when I tell you, but put your finger on this. And so it's the wrench is going out about 10 feet and he surrounds a tree. And I said, so what do you want me to do? He goes, I want you to put your foot on the gas and push the button when I tell you. I said, I got one question. He goes, what's that? I go, why are you standing out there? I'm like, is this thing going to blow up? You know, I'm just serious. I just, if it's going to blow up, just tell me. I'm just, I want to know, but just, warn me so he goes no it's gonna be fine i mean because that those wheels are just so i go it's not going anywhere just working real hard and he goes now go ahead he tied the winch around the tree he goes go ahead and push the button so push the button right here it's, it's and i pushed the button all of a sudden i felt oh, this, this is kind of cool I, and so remember he's standing way back now i'm getting ready to explode and he's way over there and so i pushed the thing and the next thing you know the thing starts pulling up a little bit. It start, and so the more that the winch is pulling, it's the wire is pulling us. It's pulling us out of the mud and it's pulling us. Keep your finger on the thing. I'm like, I'm, I got it. I got it. I got it. And finally, poof, it pulls us out. I thought to myself, that's exactly what happens with the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We try to get out of sin. We're trying. Oh, I'm going to live right for God, even if it kills me. And it does. Until the day you realize that greater is he that lives in you than he that's in It's the Holy Spirit that pulls you out of sin. It's the Holy Spirit that pulls you out of shame. It's God in you pulling you out of that cycle of defeat. Are y'all with me? Let me tell you, God is the one that's doing that on the inside of you. Let me give you these two last things and then I'll close. Here it is. You have power because of, listen, the gift of righteousness, which means you're right before God. Because of that and the Holy Spirit, I got five minutes. I need everybody to hang with me. Very important. There's no saints game. Don't worry about it. You have power to fulfill God's best in your purpose in life. Listen to me. This is important. You have power to fulfill God's best in your purpose in life. When you give your heart to Christ, 
something happens. There's a power. First John 2, 4 and 6. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this, we know that we are in him. What do we know? Well, if we abide in him, let me tell you, John was dealing with people that were saying in the first century church, you can say you're a Christian, but you live any way you want to live. John says, that's not true. If you know Christ, you can be forgiven of sin. Absolutely. But you have a power to overcome sin. Don't you tell me that you don't have power to overcome that addiction. Don't you tell me that if you're a believer, because there's a new fight on the inside of you over that drug addiction. There's a new fight on the inside of you over that sexual addiction. There is a new fight that doesn't mean you don't slip, doesn't mean you don't fall, but you don't submit and give yourself into that. John says, if you're a believer, there is a power. Everybody say, there's a power. There's a power on the inside of you. Some of you need to hear that right now. You need to hear what I'm saying because you've bought into the lie that if a Christian is just being forgiven, I messed up, I need forgiveness again. I messed up, I need... Yeah, you are forgiven, but there's a power to break the shackles of sin off your life. There is a new power on the inside of you. I'm sorry I'm fired up, but I want you free. <laughs> I want you set free. God wants you set free. And when you have the Holy Spirit, next week I'm going to teach you about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 and 27 says, you have an anointing. What does it mean that the anointing and the empowerment of the Spirit's on your life? Let me give you one more verse. John 14 says this. John wrote this. The gospel of John says, if you love me, keep my commands. How am I going to keep the commands of God? They're so burdensome. How am I going to do this? You have an advantage as a Christian. Please hear me, Christian. You have an advantage. I'm not talking about advantage over people. I'm talking about an advantage over sin, over the flesh, and over the world. Here's the advantage. Verse 16. Here it is. You got to see it. I will pray the Father. Jesus is talking. And he's going to give you another what? Say it. Another helper that he may abide with you. The Holy Spirit is God's, listen, divine enablement pulling you out of sin pulling you out of that stuff. When I gave my heart to Christ, I'll tell you, I gave my heart to Christ. I was very immoral. I was a fornicator, messed up as a teenager, 19 years old. I gave my heart to Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you the first six months of my Christian life, I was still falling into sin. Finally, I got around some brothers and they said, Steve, you can walk free of this. You don't have to give yourself into that. And I got a revelation one day. Listen to me very, I got a revelation one day as a child of God with the gift of, I am right with God. I've been washed by the blood of Christ and the Holy Spirit's on the inside of me. Don't miss this. I don't have to give myself to sexual immorality anymore. Friends, let me just tell you something. You don't have to stoop down and give yourself to sin anymore. You don't. Doesn't mean you don't sin. Doesn't mean you don't get sins of commission, omission, attitude. But I'm going to tell you, you don't have to live a lifestyle of sin. And I want to talk to people right now because what is destroying our nation is internet pornography. Let me tell you, people get on those, it's, it's everywhere. Listen, when we were kids, we had to work hard to get pornography. <laughs> Go to Time Saver. Hey, bro, hey, can you get me on a magazine? No, really, really. Now it's shoot, right here. Let me tell you something right now. As a believer in Jesus, I don't care if you're 14, 24, 44, 54, you have power in God to shut that thing off and not let it ruin your life. Are you with me? You have power. From a, you have power. Now listen to me closely because I know I'm in a very sin. You can be forgiven of your sin, but you have power to overcome that sin. You can walk because there's a neurological connection and an emotional. And, if it, and I'm telling you, it's destroying our country. It's pornography. 
You don't have to. Single people, you listen to me. I'm talking exactly. Don't you buy into the lie of this culture. All the single people are doing it. That's not true. That's not true. Not a man or a woman of God. You, let me tell you, you can, go take a cold shower and pray in the spirit. Are you with me? <laughs> believe God. Believe God. And believe God to give you the right person. I'm telling you, God will do it. I was eight years as a single man walking with God. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying this. I'm talking right to you because we've got to lie that you can't live in the power of the Holy Spirit over sin. And we've got to give ourselves to that. Listen, we need to see sin for what it is. It, it is lower than God's intended purpose for our life. Pastor, you're fired up. Sorry. I've got more defeated Christians, more people that, that well, I just can't, I'm just forgiven. No, you're more than that. I'll give you one last thing. Here it is. You have power to love others. You have power to love others. Here's what, G, here's what John said. He who says he's in the light and hates his brother. Racism is sin. It's sin. It's sin. It's sin. Who hates his brother is in darkness until now. When we want to scream at somebody at work, there's power to overcome. When you want to be a racist, there's power to overcome. When, let me tell you, when you want to give yourself to something, there's power to, in the gospel, there's enough power to rip sin off of your life and to live as a free man or a free woman. Let's stand. Let's stand. Whew. <laughs> at least one lady liked that. God bless you. The rest of the guys are going, man, I can't wait to get out of here. Look, hey, 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 look at me. I'm not telling you anywhere where I've not been. Sir, you can be free in the gospel. You can be free. You can be forgiven and then set free. You can. You can. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the power of Jesus Christ that we don't have to live victims to sin in the flesh and sensuality, and sexuality, and lust, and pride, and greed, and jealousy, and envy. But in Christ, we are new men. In Christ, where the ladies are new women in God. We have authority, and we have power over the flesh, over the world, and over the devil. If you do not know Christ, this altar is open for anybody that needs Jesus. Man, right when the music starts, I'm going to just ask you to come up front. If you need prayer for anything that you're struggling with in life, we're here for you. There's no condemnation in Christ. The reason why I'm so transparent about my stuff is because I want you to know there's no condemnation in Christ. No condemnation. When the devil brings up your past. You bring up his future. Father, I bless your people as they go forth this day in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said... Come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap to do that? We love you guys. Have a great weekend.